I do believe God, you know, I think back to Adam and Eve in the garden when Adam, you know, God said it's not good for man to be alone. And he created Eve for companionship, even before procreation. We have to look at that text and say, you know, while God created Eve for companionship, to be a helpmate, to be a soulmate, someone to walk beside. And, and I believe that about my wife. And I don't think there's anybody else in ministry that would disagree with this. But, you know, you become a team. Yeah, I wear the role, reverend, pastor, whatever it says on the ordination certificate. But my wife is certainly just as much involved in the ministry as I am. This is The Calling with Steve Smith, a Family Life original podcast that talks with pastors about the professional and personal challenges they face in their mission to lead others to Christ. Our guest for Episode 7 is Pastor Mike Spaniolo from Catawissa Christian Church in Catawissa, Pennsylvania. little bit about Catawissa, not the church particularly, we'll get to that. Tell me a little bit about Catawissa and your community and, and maybe how your church sure. serves the community. Sure, yeah. So Catawissa Christian Church exists in this great little town called Catawissa. Uh, we're about four and a half miles south of Bloomsburg. Uh, Bloomsburg is known for Bloomsburg University. So, you know, twice a year we have an immediate population increase of 10 to 12,000 people uh, in Bloomsburg. But we're four miles south of that town. And uh, we're, we're, we're in this nice little valley here along the Susquehanna River. Our, our town is a town of about 1,500 um, and we're close to a great little place called Knobles Amusement Park. It's a great family-run place. And so our community is a, a, is a very family-oriented community. It's a very agricultural uh, type of area that we're in as well. There's a lot of uh, farms that surround our areas. And so uh, Catawissa, was, uh, we're, we'll be celebrating our 250th anniversary next year. Um, based upon the town of Uxbridge, Ontario. That's the parent of Catawissa. I don't know where Uxbridge and Catawissa come together, but uh, name-wise, but it's it's unique. And, and this little community is, 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 is a great little community. However, much like other little communities in our region, we're all based upon former coal uh, region activity um, because we're only just a few miles away from uh, about seven to eight miles away from where the coal region starts, which was back in the heyday, the main source of employment in this whole valley and this whole region. And so um, poverty has certainly stricken a lot of these little communities. We, we've seen it here in our little town. But uh, this this community is, is nestled in this valley along the Susquehanna River, and it is just a great place to serve um, we partner with um, several organizations in our community. I have the privilege to, to to partner with several organizations. For example, I'm chaplain to our police department, uh, which is an incredible opportunity to serve. I serve on our Parks and Rec Committee here with the council and the borough as a volunteer. Uh, I serve on our ministerium as well as uh, our local food bank. And so that all takes place in our little town of Catawissa. Uh, you and Bonnie, your wife, uh, are celebrating. Have you actually had your 10th anniversary celebration, or is that coming up soon? Been there 10 years, is that correct? Yeah, so August is our official 10th anniversary of the church, but I've been here since 20, the beginning of 2013, correct. Tell, mm -hmm. us about, tell us about that journey, the journey that got you there, and the 10-year the journey, and how you've seen uh, 
people come together, uh, just your journey, uh, again, leading up to it and the 10 years. Sure. So uh, interesting little story. I'm originally from Buffalo, born and raised on the west side of Buffalo. Uh, you know, good old typical story of Italian Catholic family on the west side of Buffalo. And in 1982, I was introduced to Christ Jesus uh, and, and what he did for me on the cross. And so my my faith journey began there, although I wish I could say it was a perfect journey since that point. Um, that was my uh, last year of middle school. And when I got into high school, I really took a path uh, that went, uh, well, pretty much anything opposite of scripture, I did it. But I still went to church on Sunday, Bible study, youth group, all the summer camps, all the fun stuff. And uh, when I got to the uh, end of my junior year of high school, one of my very dear friends told me he was moving to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, to go to Lancaster Bible College. And he showed me some information about Lancaster Bible College. And uh, I chuckled at him. and I said, that's like Christian reform school for adults and you have to pay for it. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, irony, a year later, the Lord said, you're going to Lancaster Bible College. And I ended up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, studying youth ministry. And and, and that's where I met my wife, Bonnie, at Lancaster Bible College. We have a joke. We call it Lancaster Bridal College. And she got an MRS degree there. You right. know, yep. most most pastors' wives can probably attune to that. But um, had no idea that God was going to call me into the ministry. Um, but in part of my testimony that leads me, how do I got to where I am today, um, when I was in high school, I had really gone away from my faith. I still believed in God. I still knew who Jesus was, but it was secondary to me. It wasn't my primary function in life. Got involved in drugs and drinking and playing in rock and roll bands and all that crazy stuff. And when the Lord shook me from that and called me into a real true relationship with him, when I really began to understand what it meant to be committed to faith, what it meant to have a relationship with God through Christ, um, I realized something. As a teenager, I was let slip through the cracks. I don't blame any one person for that. It just, I think it happened. And so my motivation to go to Lancaster Bible College and, and start in ministry was because I was one of those teenagers that fell through the cracks. And I wondered how many more were that way. So at 17, almost 18 years old, I made a commitment to the Lord to minister to teenagers. And so the first 22 years of my ministry was in youth ministry. I worked with uh, Youth for Christ around the Buffalo region um, before I graduated from high school. I just got involved as a student, and so I became acquainted with Youth for Christ. And when I moved to Lancaster, I became a volunteer at Lancaster Youth for Christ. And then, interesting part of the story in the mid-80s, the pastor that was responsible for my family coming to faith in the Buffalo area moved to California, ended up in a small little town just upriver from us called Nescapec, Pennsylvania. And um, I found out he was there while I was at Bible college and visited with him. And he said, hey, our local Youth for Christ chapter is looking for a staff person. So in that 1992 area of, of time, God moved my wife and I from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, volunteering in our church and in Youth for Christ Lancaster to a full-time missionary position to teenagers in, in the region that I currently am, which is considered Columbia Montour counties in central Pennsylvania. And uh, we ended up working in youth ministry. Uh, we bought an old bar through our organization, turned it into a youth center, still exists today. And uh, by 2006, I was on the brink of burnout from ministering to teenagers. So um, in that, we, we took a shift and I took an associate pastor role. 
all the way in Virginia. I moved to Virginia. And that's where I really began to develop and learn a lot about serving in that administrative role, pastoral type role. Um, even though as a missionary, you're ordained, ordained as a minister of the gospel, um, it was interesting. And so uh, in Virginia, we were there for five and a half years. We we worked in a, in a church down there and planted a church while we were down there. But the Lord was drawing us back to central Pennsylvania. And so and, and actually in the summer of 2011, we moved back from Virginia to this region and I, again, was serving as an associate pastor role, leading worship and, and filling the pulpit, helping another church plant develop and grow. Um, and then the Lord in 2000 and late 2012, early 2013, uh, opened up an opportunity for us to come to Catawissa. And here um, we, we had been prayed for without even realizing this. One of my Friends from youth ministry back when Bonnie and I started in this area back in the early 90s had been praying for God to lead a pastor to this church plant that they had become part of and foundational to, and were specifically praying for me to come back to be the pastor, and I had never known that. Mm. And so almost 10 years ago, the Lord opened the door up uh, through some faithful brothers and sisters praying that God would lead us back, and uh, and here we are 10 years later. Great, great ministry. Church had 45 people in it when we started. Today, uh, God has blessed us uh, where we average uh, roughly around 120, 130. I, I'm not a numbers guy, so those things don't appeal to me. But praise the Lord for his faithfulness and bringing folks out to hear the gospel and to come to faith and to be nurtured in their faith. And so that's, that's how we got to Catawissa and that real short story there. Talking with Pastor Mike Spaniola of uh, Catawissa Christian Church, and it's amazing, Pastor. It's, it's just it's awesome how God works. When I, you were talking about your uh, high school years and things like that, and then you're in youth ministry, I can imagine. I mean, God uses everything; He doesn't waste anything. And I can imagine Amen. you looking at some of the youth even today in your church, and it's almost like you're looking in a mirror, and you have compassion and you have empathy for those people that maybe you wouldn't have had if you hadn't gone through your experience. Do you do you see some of you and some of the youth? Scarily, yes. <laughs> mm. um, it, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, the Lord has certainly um, given Bonnie and I uh, an opportunity to be blessed by the years that we spent in youth ministry. Um, you know, when I look back at what God allowed me to go through on my journey, and I always used to wonder why I was allowed to go through that. I know exactly why. And that was because now I can minister to and relate to so many that are hurting and broken along the way that are on the balance of life that just kind of hanging on the edge of that cliff. And um, and, and I can say, yeah, I, I've been there. I, I really do understand what you're walking through. And I think you see a lot of teenagers today, especially as they look at us guys you know, that are older, a little more seasoned in life in our 50s and 60s that that have been through things. When we say, oh, I, I've been there once, you know, some of the kids today are like, yeah, you have no idea what we're going through. And I know some of the struggles that teens face today are certainly different than what you and I would have faced, you know, 30 years plus ago. And, uh, and, and I can say, no, I, I literally can understand what you're going through because I experienced what you're dealing with right now. And uh, so God has truly uh, given me a reminder that, um, you know, he causes 
all things to work for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. And, uh, and I really cling to that, knowing that God allowed me to journey what I did to be used to bring glory to him. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I've never asked this. I mean, when in radio, we get asked by many people, a common question is like, how do you decide what to talk about on the radio and those kind of things? And, and I would imagine I could talk to a hundred pastors and I might get variations uh, of a hundred different answers. But uh, so I'll ask you, how do you decide? When do you decide? What's your method of putting together a message, whether it be a single message, a series, how far in advance, uh, Take us through those steps, because I'm, I'm curious, and is it true that, that there, there are so many variations to that? Yeah, great great couple of questions there. Yeah, there, there are, every pastor does things differently. You know, you have some, some brothers and sisters that preach expositorily, some do it topically, uh, some do a, a mixture of both. Um, I, I would say I'm one of those guys that does a mixture of both. Um, currently, uh, for example, I am preaching through the I am statements of Jesus. There were seven in particular in the Gospel of John. And so I've been going through that. And and I find uh, that a lot of times as I'm praying and seeking what God would have me share to the flock, uh, a lot of times it's really based out of what God has been teaching me and where I am or, or something that God has caused me to go through or learn. Um, and I've always made that commitment for me personally that uh, I, I will always be transparent and preach uh, what God has taught me or what I'm going through because I know there's others that can probably relate to or understand that. If I'm going through a passage or a, a book, for example, we went through the Gospel of John a couple of years ago, uh, and that took us about 13 months to to go through the Gospel of John, I actually did that on an expositorily type uh, of, of teaching. So I think it really is contingent as to what you're looking to accomplish. Um, you know, research, study, prayer. Um, I, I know there are some that they'll be inspired to do a sermon series or a message or two on something that they've heard from somebody else. But I think everybody approaches it a little differently. I think you have to, uh, bottom line is pray, 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 and ask God what he would have you say to the flock. Because um, it's it's an immense responsibility that I take very, very, very cautiously and seriously that God has given me a privilege to speak to his church. And I don't want to muck it up. <laughs> Is it, isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit works to every pastor I've ever talked to, uh, whether it's in an interview or just in a friend conversation says that, you know, I'll, I'll give a I'll give a message on a certain Sunday and someone will come up to you afterwards and say, thank you so much, Pastor. And this is what I got out of it. And you walk away going, I didn't have any, I didn't say anything like that. But the Holy Spirit <laughs> uses what you said and uses it in a way for that person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, just just two Sundays ago, um, we had a, a guest visiting with us, a family I've been ministering to um, by a very unique and interesting way. Um we have a funeral director that that worships with us here at our church, and uh, and I've become actually the chaplain uh, on staff pastor to the funeral home. We found that so many families these days are not connected with churches, and so in one of the greatest times of need that they need comfort, and especially from God's word, we have the privilege to minister that. And one of the families has started attending the church through while I'm ministering to their their loved one as they're approaching eternity. And, and this dear one that's going to soon go to the Lord has come to faith in the midst of facing death. And a loved one connected to this started coming to worship with us recently. 
I had never met the person prior to this Sunday two weeks ago. And this this dear loved one came up to me after the service with tears streaming down their face. And it's like, how did you know what I needed to hear today? And I said, I didn't, but God did. And that's why we're both here today. I want to go back to something. Uh, we're talking with uh, Pastor uh, Mike Spaniola of Catawissa Christian Church on The Calling here on Family Life's uh, podcast. And and I want to go back to something you mentioned early on in, in our talk, that you're able to serve in the community. And one of those is the honor and privilege of being the uh, chaplain of the, the police department. Is that what you said, the police department? Uh, is that, that is correct. What an, yes. what an honor that must be to serve uh, those people who serve us and do things that we can, and I'll say I, I can't imagine doing on a daily basis. And not every one of those people in that department, I can imagine uh, you're serving in the community as a believer, but you get the opportunity to to speak truth to them uh, in an honorable way. What a, what a privilege that must be. It's a humbling experience. You know, I, I have a great affection for those that serve in our law enforcement as well as our military. And uh, the men and women that serve in those roles, the amount of pressure and stress that they deal with on a daily basis, um, I too could not you know, really fathom what that would be like. Although I, I had, you know, a little bit of training just because of being a chaplain to them. Uh, they teach you certain things, but uh, yeah, there is definitely a diversity of, of faith there or lack thereof um, not to, you know, expose someone's personal issues or beliefs there. But uh, you know, we have the privilege to just literally show them the love of Christ as they're walking through a crisis, or maybe if they're on an accident scene, or a uh, someone has passed away in a home, and and you're there to assist a grieving family. They get to see how we act out the love of Jesus, and to me, that that's such an honor just to to show the love of Christ to these men and women that serve in our law enforcement. Um, it, it's a unique calling because sometimes you're called on to go alongside of them uh, in, in the midst of a crisis. I mean, there there have been times over my 30 plus years of ministry, I've I've gone on, on calls with uh, law enforcement, maybe for someone who's passed by suicide or a tragic death from a house fire or a car accident or something. And, and that leaves a lot of trauma in the law enforcement officers. And they don't, outside of their circle, they don't have a lot of people to talk to. And um, you know, one of the situations that always comes to my mind is I, I had the, the the privilege in the midst of the tragedy to assist on a uh, where a young teenage girl, a 14 years old, had taken her own life, which was an absolute tragedy and impacted our community, our little town immensely. And the officer that first arrived on scene was traumatized pretty, pretty much by the sight of what what had happened. And and I had the opportunity to walk alongside of them to to help them refocus, to understand, you know, we we can't stop everything. God's fully aware of what's going on. And sometimes it's hard to just trust God to allow these things to happen. Um, but yet I was able to walk beside that officer and help them with that grief and that PTSD that came from the situation. And it, it certainly is humbling and an opportunity to literally flesh out the hands and feet of Jesus to these guys and gals. Speaking of uh, coming alongside and being alongside, uh, I know I say you're Pastor Mike, but I'll bet you a lot of people can't say without saying it's Mike and Bonnie. 
Pastor Mike and Bonnie, the person that's right beside you. And, and shame on me, I haven't spent a lot of time in these talks talking about that person standing right beside you, the person besides Jesus who you put first, but you put Bonnie mm. second, um, and just the role that, that she plays. And, and I know uh, I've never met you before, but I can't imagine you have enough good words to, to say about the support of, of that person right alongside you, Bonnie. Exactly. I mean, I am I am certainly blessed beyond words. Uh, you know, I tell her all the time, I, I am certainly uh, undeserving of a bride as awesome as she is to, to put up with my shenanigans and using her as my sermon illustrations on occasion. Um, but she's very gracious and understanding and she hides the bruises when she beats me. Well, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's really just a joke. But uh, maybe we need to edit that out. I don't even know. But um you know, we, we joke about that, but uh, I do believe God, you know, I, I think back to Adam and Eve in the garden when Adam, you know, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he created Eve for companionship, even before procreation. We have to look at that text and say, you know, while God created Eve for companionship, to be a helpmate, to be a soulmate, someone to walk beside. And, and I believe that about my wife. And I don't think there's anybody else in ministry that would disagree with this, but, you know, you become a team. Yeah, I wear the role reverend, pastor, whatever it says on the ordination certificate. But my wife is certainly just as much involved in the ministry as I am. And I think pastors, wives, or husbands, if it's a female pastor, in regards to that, um, you know, the spouse usually gets less credit for being a part of the ministry. But my wife has uh, an incredible ministry to many of the women in the church and and to especially the younger families that are just coming along with children now, um, she kind of gets to be that mom coach to some of them that are learning some of life's uh, situations come their way. And so, yeah, there, there's no uh, Pastor Mike and his wife. I, I always tell people my wife has a name. Mm -hmm. Her name is Bonnie, and, right. and God's put us in the ministry together. And, and I don't think there's anybody in ministry who would ever say that they felt differently of that. All right, you say you're uh, right near Knobles uh, Amusement Park. Uh, you got a favorite ride over there, favorite thing to do at Knobles? Yeah, I like to eat. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I think in Scripture somewhere, maybe Second Habakkuk or the first gospel, according to Mike, it says where two or more are gathered, there yeah. is food. Um, the uh, the they, They're known actually in the, in the country for being one of the top amusement parks for their food. Um, so they have some great food there, but my favorite ride they have there is the Phoenix roller coaster. It's an old wooden roller coaster mm. and never gets old to me. I love it. I could ride it anytime I go there. And uh, yeah. But you're a better man than I, uh, Pastor Mike. Wooden roller coasters get me a little bit. Uh, I'm at the age where it kind of jumbles me up a little bit, and uh, uh, I'm a little mm -hmm. a little crazier than I normally am when I go uh, get <laughs> off of that. But, uh, all right, no, and I'm going to and end this on the question that you say before we started uh, recording this. You said you get this uh, thousands of times a year. When I saw the name Spaniola, I saw the spelling of it. Uh, there's a uh, famous football coach, uh, Steve Spagnola. I'll ask it. Go ahead. Any relation? No, no, but if there was, he owes me some tickets, I think, to see a great game or two. <laughs> well, uh, Pastor Mike, I'll say Pastor Mike and Bonnie Spaniola of Catawissa Christian Church, thanks so much for, for what you do uh, on a daily basis and uh, uh, continued success there. Happy 10-year uh, happy ten year anniversary and uh, continued blessings on Catawissa Christian Church. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Episode 7 of The Calling, a Family Life original podcast. Be sure to check out all of Family Life's original podcasts, including Therese Talk, If That Makes Sense, The Powerable Podcast, and Business by the Book. You can find them wherever you download content or at familylife.org. Family Life is a not-for-profit listener-supported ministry, relying on your generous support to make podcasts like this possible. Find out how you can get involved when you go to familylife.org.